What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of At Large Bid here on the 40 Minutes Basketball Network. With it being trade deadline week in the NBA, we decided just to switch up the schedule a little bit this week. So we're starting the week with college ball. Oh, we did have a really big trade today in the NBA, so I can't wait to talk about that later in the week on right. the Bench Mob and also the Shot College crew on Thursday night to give us the trade deadline recap. Um, but with that being said, it's I'm Tim Daniel here with Taylor Bergfeld. And Taylor, we just got back from watching one of the best teams in the country. Uh, the Houston Cougars came to Fifth Third Arena tonight to play the Cincinnati Bearcats. They were in the shoe, and they won 80-58, to 58, and they were absolutely incredible. Uh, Fabian White tonight was awesome with 22 points, was 4-5 or five from 3, 9 rebounds. I mean, didn't shoot threes at all last year, so you can see that kind of step up in his game. Uh, opening tip, you see Taze Moore catches the ball, and he's by himself all of a sudden throwing down a dunk. Uh, Houston was unbelievably impressive tonight. Yeah, I mean, shot out of a cannon. Like, as yeah, soon as the tip was in the air. He caught it and just tomahawked it in two seconds. Like, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, Houston, as advertised, you know, doesn't have Marcus Sasser down another starter team that was in the final four, you know, last year. And they're kind of just rolling this year silently, but deadly is kind of how I describe them. And they kind of just picked a, a great night to have a great shooting night against Cincinnati. You know, fifth third was rocking tonight. It was a good crowd, packed house. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, the Bearcats tried to give it their best one-two punch and just wasn't enough. Um, there was a moment they cut it to 11 right before the half. And, you know, it was yeah. like, okay, that, that was a solid run by UC. Um, Jared my Davenport comes out and hit the three to start the second half. And you're like, all right, it's an eight-point game. And just, just like that, as fast as you could look up, it was eight points. It was 16 in two seconds. So Houston yeah. was their guards are dynamic. They're up in your face all over the defensive end. Kelvin Sampson is a madman. Um, I mean, he, his defense, they, 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 I think they forced two or three turnovers in a row, got a block shot and got a rebound. And then UC came down and got a layup and Kelvin Sampson like lost his mind. So he expects greatness, <laughs> expects greatness from them on the defensive end. Um, you know, and he got that tonight in that dominant, dominant victory, 80 to 58. Um, just a, you know, if you're a Bearcat fan, a lot of people, I was, I, you were working the game. I was sitting in the crowd, you know, for once at the shoe, I was kind of just taking it in with the crowd, but a lot of people mm-hmm. around us were, they weren't, they weren't devastated. They weren't upset. It was just like, Hey, this is a really good team, a top 11 team, you know, in the country. And fortunately you run into a buzzsaw every now and then. So. Yeah. Um, I'm looking now at the box score and the stat sheet and to put in context, how the night went for the Bearcats, uh, David DeJulius had 25 points. Mm-hmm. The second leading score was Jeremiah Davenport with nine. He struggled. He, I think, he had yeah. zero points at half. Um, Three of 12 he, from the floor. Yeah. Houston did a great job um, just kind of locking him down in the first half. In the second half, he had a lot of open looks. He had a three to start the second half, like I said, and then missed two, what's say, wouldn't say wide open. They were pretty deep. I mean, they were really NBA range deep, um, but on a kick out on the offensive rebound. But, you know, you make those, it's a little bit different in the game. But I think from the jump, Houston was all over him. Um, and it's, it's kind of, kind of just shows that they were the better team tonight and you know probably the cream of the crop in the AAC. So yeah. So I had a something was sent to me today from uh my cousin actually. Uh one of those like Fox terrible graphics. But so right now the top there's seven teams are in the top twenty in Ken Palm in offense and defense. Gonzaga, Kentucky, Baylor, Duke, Auburn, Arizona, and Houston. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, so Houston's like number four on there right now. I, I don't know if they went up after the game tonight. Uh, pulled Probably. up. Definitely inflating of a game. They, they played well tonight. Yeah, they're 20 and two. They've won 12 in a row. Who are their uh, losses to? Alabama, which was a goaltend at the end. Wisconsin. 
Oh yeah, that was Maui. Yeah, was, Maui. At the time, we thought it was a bad loss for Houston, and now it looks like a yeah, yeah it's actually a competitive game. So yeah, I was blown away. I mean, it's it's very impressed. They they you know they quietly have been good all year. Um, you know, taking care of business in the AC. They from like a betting standpoint and just like a basketball standpoint, like when you look at them, when they play bad teams, they demolish them. Like, and I'm yep. not, this isn't calling Cincinnati a bad team because they're not. It's just like when they're playing the lower level of the AAC teams or playing, you know, out of conference schools that aren't as good as they are. Like they demolished them. If it's a spread that's 11, 12 points, they usually cover it. It was six tonight. Um, I took Cincinnati thinking, you know, good spot for them at home. Sell out all, oh uh, yeah. Two seconds of that game, I was like, it was like twenty-two to five at one point. I was like, yeah. uh, Houston, and I, like kind of switching gears here to go to UC. I was really, I mean, we texted about it at the game. I was really impressed with David Julius. Right, he, the, the way he interacts off, off the ball screen was something that he wasn't doing last year. He's a more confident shooter now. Um, mm-hmm. and this kind of gets into UC's offense. I think they rely too much on the three at some points, but they don't have a post presence to throw the ball down into. A do is just simply not a guy that you can throw the ball to on the block and try to get a bucket. Um, Victor's kind of a guy that floats around the perimeter. Um, not really a strong. Re- rebounder not very strong in general to go up and get um finish through contact especially against yeah. houston but um guamas an athlete right and that's not right. a bad thing it's just he's a kind of a hype guy that you know gives you effort but the julius was great tonight he was splitting ball screens i'm um, getting in the middle of the lane that floater that he has is pretty lethal um mm-hmm. hit a couple big tough shots from, you know right in the teeth of houston's uh defenders today but yeah, I, I think UC's on the rise. This is kind of the, you know, John Newman's a senior. You get the COVID year. Dermot Davenport's a junior. You have the pieces that are coming to come back next year, and you hope that you build on this foundation going forward. But sometimes you play the best team in the league, and sometimes you take their A game, and it's just you're not you're not up for the punch. So that's kind of where I'm at with Houston. But I, I would be very um, – I'm pretty high on this. I mean, you know, recency bias is kind of a huge thing here. So – Going into the tournament, you know, I think Houston obviously will, will probably coast to the the one seed in the AAC. Probably, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they won the the AAC tournament itself. But I think they're a team really, you know, down their two best players, and they're still just phenomenal on both ends of the basket. So, um, very excited to watch them in March. But I think two or three seed that they could probably make a Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight run. I don't know if they're Final Four good like last year because they got really lucky in their bracket last year. Um, right, but that, I mean it happens in March, right? You can't control who you play. You just got to take care of business. But I, I'm with you. I, I left this game being glowing of Houston, and um, you know I, I don't think I think going forward it's the team that people should probably watch if before the tournament starts. So yeah, I agree. So let's talk about another team that's on a roll right now. Um, obviously, it pains us a little bit to talk about, but that's Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, since the Auburn loss, they have won four straight, um, including uh, Mississippi State in overtime, going to Kansas and just destroying them, which we haven't recorded since then. Yep. Um, at home against Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt gives them a little run for their money. Um, I'm really impressed, honestly, with how well Stackhouse is coaching for how rough that team is. I I can't talk about can't talk about UNC guy coaching. I can't I can't right now. <laughs> We're too early in this, but yeah, yeah. they they, they struggled. At Alabama, they yeah, I. Kentucky is the best team in the country. As of was it February sixth, the best team in the country right now. I I'm very impressed. Ty Ty Washington is phenomenal. Severe Wheeler is exactly what they need. Um, Keon Brooks has been playing outstanding. That Kansas he team is his you know his swan song. He was phenomenal. Oscar is just a menace on the rebounding. Jacob Toppin knows his role. Damian Collins gave him big minutes at Alabama. Kellen Grady is finally realizing that he is on this earth to shoot the basketball, and that is exactly what he needs to do for this offense. So yeah, I'm over the moon with this team. It's kind of a veteran team for Cal compared to you know previous teams. Keon, Oscar, Kellen, you know, 
you got guys that have been there. Davion, Davion Mintz, who's, you know, I've been a big Mintz hater. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he should take the floor, but he's been phenomenal. The Alabama game, he was great. The, um, the Mississippi State game, he was good. But, you know, we'll kind of touch on the Kansas game first. Like, that game was never close either, right? They, no, they no, no. From the jump, they just went out there and hit them with a right hook, and it was it was over early. And, I mean, I, I'm thoroughly impressed. You know, I, I think this team, the sky's the limit for them. I think there'll be a one seed with Auburn. I think your four one seeds right now are probably Gonzaga, Auburn, Kentucky, Duke. Yeah, and that's probably fair, right? And I, yeah. I think I think Kentucky is the best team in the country as of right now. I think they're playing the best. Tough schedule coming up. You know, they they play at South Carolina Tuesday, which should be an easy win. But I know they still have to go to Tennessee, have to go to Florida, to Arkansas. So there are three good games. But your Calipari, this is exactly what you want for your team, even in a loss, like. Uh, these guys get battle tested and they, you know, they persevere and they get through it. Um, their two losses in league play at Auburn, they were winning and Ty Ty got hurt. Severe got knocked out on a screen by Walker Kessler. And then at LSU, same thing. Ty Ty gets hurt. Sphere Wheeler gets knocked out on a screen. So as long as they can avoid that, um, I, I think the team, the sky's the limit for this team. I'm, I was watching last night and I was like, why is Damian? I'm like, Damian Collins is getting a lot of run. And as I say that, you know, he, a backdoor cut that's, um, Ty Ty throws a lob too, and he just absolutely crams it home. Their athleticism is just all over the charts here. Um, yeah, I'm enamored with this team. Oscar's awesome. Just it's it's. I think they're peaking at the right time. I mean, it's crazy with the Bengals being where they're at, right? We're Cincinnati fans. Like, it's hard for us to realize like that. Five weeks from today, there's a bracket that comes out. Like, and that seems seems crazy, but it just is what it is, right? Like, we've been kind of you know lucky with football that football season's been longer and longer <laughs> this year, so. I, yeah, kind of not used to this. Right, of course not. What's your thoughts on this Kentucky game? I think the best thing about them is they have two point guards and mm-hmm. two point guards that they can run through. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington's obviously the best point guard prospect in this draft coming up. Um, he's tremendous. You know, I'd probably put him. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like, I think Jaden Ivy has put himself in that like tier one with how he's played of late with uh, yeah. Paolo, Jabari, and Chet. But I think Ty Ty could potentially be like right there with Johnny Davis as that tier two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever happens with Shade on Sharp, obviously that's irrelevant at the moment with how Kentucky's playing. Um, but you know, what like you said, like what they're getting from those guys from Wheeler, from Grady, um, you know, Oscar just being the rebounding monster he is, that's gonna get him drafted. Um, you know, might be second round, might be late second round, but it's gonna get him drafted. Mm-hmm. Um it's just, you know, they have all the pieces they need to be successful. Like you mentioned, Keon Brooks just as that wing who can kind of just like give them a lot of effort and is really good defensively on the perimeter. Uh, he's been really fantastic. Um, you know, like you said, so looking right now at Ken Palm, uh, they have one game the rest of the year where they have a less than 70% chance of like a less than 70% winning percent uh, chance. And that is at Tennessee. It's at 51. But every other game, South Carolina, they're given 88%, Florida 89 Alabama 83, LSU 80, Arkansas 70, uh, Mississippi 95, Florida 73. I think they'll drop one on the road, maybe like an Arkansas. I do too. Um, but like I said, not a knock. Yeah, I think this team is great. Oscar reminds me of what um, Yudoka Azabuki was for Kansas in that 2020 year before COVID mm-hmm. started. Like long-term NBA prospect, probably not, right? And that's that's okay. But what he does for this team, he's a dominant big guy. He just gets every rebound and he just outmuscles you and out-effort you and just you know, he is just phenomenal for them. Um, I'm with you and Ty Ty. I think he's 
great. Severe Wheeler's perfect for this team. Great defender, really pesky defender that nobody really wants to have to go against. Um, and I love Kellen Grady, so it's fun watching him shoot because I think he shoot eight to ten threes a game because they look like they're all going in on my end. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. So yeah, man, I like this team a lot. I'm excited to see how things play out for them. Um, I guess we'll talk about the hell that was our Saturday mm. um, here at the 48 Minutes Basketball Network of bas- our college basketball teams, um, starting bright and early. DePaul goes into Cintas Center and beats Xavier. Unbelievable. Without Javon Freeman Liberty. Yeah. Had seven guys and still won. Um, Kyle Brandon, big Michigan State guy, right? You know, fit shot callers. They lose by three touchdowns at Rutgers. Um, that was crazy. Ron Harper Jr., 17 points. The, the and, rack, man. It's, it's tough to win on the, at the rack. Yeah. Joe, Indiana guy. They get beat by Illinois pretty bad. They were in it for a while, and Illinois just went crazy in the second half. Kobe Coburn, listen, Johnny Davis is great, and he probably is going to win Big Ten Player of the Year, but quit sleeping on my, my guy Kofi. He's been phenomenal. That Wisconsin game, he had like 35 and 17, and then Indiana, he just bullied Trace Jackson Davis. So Yeah, he did. And then, you know, Duke, Carolina was last night. Sorry. So. Bad. <laughs> just bad. Bad. Yeah. But, yeah, let's start with Xavier – DePaul. Let's just work our way down. Like, right. Let's just get through it. It's a nice venting session for both of us. But yeah. So my thing is we've texted, right? Like this year, this year was about Xavier. Um, they're out of their non-conference was heck, you know, they beat Ohio state. They mm-hmm. lose to Iowa state. They beat Virginia tech. Yep. Yeah. Beat Virginia tech non-conference. They rolled at home. They were kicking ass early. They were blowing teams out. They get into big East play. And now they're what fourth or fifth place in the big East just because they've struggled and dropped some games that they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like not being devil's advocate and listen, my team has my own issues too. So I'm not trying to talk down on another team, but this is kind of where it goes bad for Xavier in previous years under steel, right? Like non-conference, they get through it in conference. They, they, they just can't beat Villanova twice. They start losing some games that they shouldn't a la Marquette, a la, even though Marquette's really good. Right. But DePaul, um, so this is kind of where it goes bad, right? Providence is the best team in the Big East, which I don't think either of us saw that coming. They're like the luckiest. They're literally the luckiest team in the country. Literally, mm-hmm. statistics Can, show they're the luckiest team in the country. But this is where it goes bad for Steel, right? Like early in the year after the Ohio State win, you're like, damn, this team could be a three, four, five seed in the NCAA tournament. And now, kind of where they're at, if they don't get their act together soon, you're looking at a seven, eight, nine seed where it, the worst thing for Xavier, if you're a Xavier fan listening, you don't want the first round of the Big East tournament to be like, you have to win to get in, right? Because that's where it statistically goes wrong. And, and they're not there. We no, need to God, no. take that a step over, back. Everyone needs to relax. That went over bad State, loss. the Virginia Tech win. I mean, they've beaten Marquette at home. They've beaten um, I don't know, Oklahoma I don't State know. on the road. Correct. Um, they're fine, right? But they have a tough schedule coming up. It's at UConn, yes, at do. Seton Hall. Um, I'm sure they play Providence again at Providence. So these are games yep. that you, you know, you need UConn to twice. You need to knock them off. You need to win a couple here just to, to, um, you know, solidify that tournament status. But yeah, I, you can be the the peacekeeper. You can be the, you know, the mediator for Xavier fans. I'm sure they, you know, they're on the ledge right now, but you know, we're close to the tournament and you're in a gully right now. So kind of tells Xavier fans to relax and give them what you're feeling. And you can be honest if you're feeling worried, then kind of let's hear it. I'm not necessarily worried. Um, there's some things that really frustrate me uh, with watching the team. Um, one of them is particularly, I, I just don't understand what Paul Scruggs has been playing of late. You know, he had 21 points yesterday. That looks good, but two assists, five turnovers. Um, against Butler, you know, he gets in foul trouble early. 
And, you know, he's not making the best decisions. Like, it's not the Paul Scruggs that I have gotten accustomed to for four years, where the team might not be the best. But, you know, I mean, look, two minutes ago, he's like Jimmy Clausen was at Notre Dame. Like, he'll have some rough games. But if he's got the ball in his hands at the end, like, I feel okay. Like, right. um, and like Paul, you know, against Ohio State and like things like that, he had those games. But, you know, Paul's just kind of, some of the decision making has been really frustrating. Um, on the other end, you know, of the rest of the roster, you look at like Nate Johnson gets three shots. Like, I don't know what he's really struggled the last mm-hmm. few weeks. So I don't know like what's going on there. Uh, it could be how just getting... an emphasis on the teams you're playing, right? They could just yeah. know like, hey man, like we're face guarding him where he's not touching the ball. Because like, and this is, you know, just a little bit deeper if, issue with him. Like he's not really a guy that can like, he, can, he can't like get his ball dribbling, right? Like he's more like come right. off screens, like positioning. He's very smart with like off ball, like movement and stuff. And he's a guy that like, he'll get himself open. And he can get a shot off like that. But like for him to create his own shot is something he struggles with. Therefore, at the next level, he's going to have to get better at. But I'm with you. Like, he's a guy that you can't have. If he's one of your best shooters, and he is, right? Right? So you can't have him getting three shots a game. Same with Kunkel. Like, yeah, he only had six. He had six shots. You need them to shoot through it, right? Like, if it's a slump, they'll get through it. And we've talked about this off air and on air. Like, I think Colby Jones is a better guard than Paul Scruggs. But, like, what Paul has meant to program and what he is for this team, like, you kind of just got to roll Scruggs out there. And I'm not saying that his minutes should decrease or anything like that because they shouldn't. It's just it's hard for the alpha to give that, that status up sometimes. And unfortunately it, it seems like that's the case now. So yeah, Steele kind of mentioned something yesterday in his pressure. Like he was pissed. Um, he was definitely pissed and I understand. And he even mentioned, he's like, you know, I don't, he's like, I've got to figure something out. It's like, if that means I got to change my starting lineup again, then like we got to change our starting lineup again. Like, um, you know, Dawn Odom was, has been really good uh, for a few weeks now. Um, you know, he had eight points and five assists yesterday. It was four or four from the floor. He's got a really good floater game. Mm-hmm. Um, everything he's not as a shooter. I love everything else. Like, I think he's an awesome defender. He's a super athlete. Um, but yeah, I just think that, you know, I hope that was a wake up call for them because they certainly are talented enough, but there's just other things too. Like, um, Zach Fremantle has not recovered very well from his injury. He's not played Hard. well majority of the season. Um, he's had a game here and there, but you know, like when he starts the game one of nine and he's still taking shots the rest of the way, like that's not promising. Yeah. And I, I think my thing is like the losses in the big East and the big East is a good conference, right? I think it's probably the right. fourth best conference in basketball. I think that's behind big 12 sec and, um, big 10, right? Like I, yeah. I think they're far and away better than the ACC, um, but like the losses at home, right? Like losing to DePaul is bad, right? Losing to Providence is not bad if it's at the um at the Dunkin' Donut or what I don't even know what they call their place. The Dunk, yeah. The Dunk, right? Like, but at home, right? Losing both of those games at home when you know you still have to go to UConn, to Seton Hall, to Providence, like it puts a bigger emphasis on the games you have to win now. Like, so that, that's kind of where I'm at. But yeah, I, I don't know the you know. Three weeks ago, we were talking about Xavier being a dark horse for a national championship team. Like, and not just us, like, in the Cincinnati area. This is, like, national Field 68 mentioned it. Like, Steve Prom, former coach, Jeff Goodman, right? Like, these guys are mentioning Xavier, like, on the rise. And I think, you know, you can still buy low if you believe in Xavier, and I certainly do. It's just, I'm going to need to see them. And all it takes is maybe a good showing at Seton Hall. They might come out and kick their ass, right? And light a fire underneath them, and Steele might get these guys right back on the right ship. But, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's worrisome, you know. 
you just don't want the season to come down to the Big East tournament or you have to win a couple games because that's where it gets a little hectic. But I think they're fine. Um, I, I don't too. know what they're – I haven't looked at really um, – haven't looked at any bracketology lately, but I don't know what their projected seed is. I think it's a little too early for that. I think in a couple weeks we'll have a better idea. But yeah. people, people need to realize, like, listen, there are 68 teams that make the NCAA tournament. Like, I promise there are some shady teams that are going to get in. Carolina is included in that, so – Listen, they're going to get them in. Xavier's fine. I think they're not even close to sniffing the Yeah, bubble. they're not on the bubble. They're not no, on the bubble. They have too many good wins not to. Marquette, Ohio State, you know, and they're, they're, they're two wins that will carry way more weight than they than people realize. So that's where I'm at with that. So Yeah, I agree. Um, let's kind of move real quick. So um, what do you want to talk about next? You want to go to – we, we didn't even mention by the fact, like, real quick – Chris Beard going back to Texas Tech was oh, yeah. Let's, let's amazing. On that Tuesday that was amazing. Yeah, that was that was unbelievable. That place was rocking. That's what like yeah. the COVID year last year and like we really missed about college basketball environments, right? And we touched on that in our preview pods and all this and all that. But like a true like just insane atmosphere. Um, Tuesday night in Lubbock, Chris Beard returns, right? And we've always mentioned like he had to take the Texas job. Like you're getting a mm-hmm. huge pay increase, better facilities, better program. Etc. But I love what Mark Adams has done. I think he should be the Big 12 coach of the year. Uh, this We touched on it after Texas Tech lost at Kansas, um, how high I am on this team. Terrence Shannon's really good, and they, they just went into West Virginia and won on Saturday in a really tough environment. But, yeah, Beard was booed from the opening tip. They were – that place was rocky. It was a blackout. And a or, sorry, Texas Tech went out there and just beat Texas. So, very fun game. Um, I, you know, the the – Texas Tech fans flipping him off. Fu Beard, him getting off the bus, throwing stuff at the bus is crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, you sent was, me the video of that, and I sent you the uh, gif of us uh, of Palpatine with the "Let the hate come to consume you." Yeah, I mean, think about it. If DeAndre Hunter doesn't hit a three in the corner. Texas Tech's the national championship in twenty. I know. Champion in twenty nineteen. Like, it, you know, we're one play away from him being the head coach of Texas Tech. Like, who knows what happens? But. You know, Texas Tech fans have every right to be mad and hate them, and that's what you do. But there'll be a time 10, 15 years down the road, you'll appreciate what that run was and how good that team was. So I, I think it's both sides are well warranted. And Beard played right into it, right? He said if they won, he was going to shave his head. So he knew that it was a pretty tough environment. They, they're they my biggest disappointment on the year. Like, they they frustrate the hell out of me. They got a good opportunity tomorrow night against Kansas, but I, I just don't know what it is with that team. Like, I just don't think they mesh very well. So, Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. Um, yeah, Michigan State, I couldn't believe that Ron Harper Jr. just ran them over. Um, I don't really, you know, Texas beats Iowa State pretty bad. That's kind of crazy. Um, but Baylor and Kansas. Yeah. That's that's like, so yesterday's, Saturday's slate was amazing, right? It was Indiana, it was Illinois. Good. Indiana, Illinois at 12 o'clock. Um, who was the 2 o'clock game? I forget now. Um, Xavier. Baylor. Yeah, Xavier was at two. Kansas Baylor at four o'clock. Um, Auburn Georgia, like that was another game that Auburn squeaks by. Carolina Duke, Kentucky Alabama, and honest to God, most games turned out to be pretty stinky, right? Because the mm-hmm. one team just kicked the other team's ass, and that's no different here in Lawrence. Um, Kansas just absolutely steamrolls Baylor. A game where Kansas, you know, after losing the week before at home against Kentucky, this is a home environment that needed to be rocking, and it was, and they just punched Baylor in the mouth, and Baylor had no answer for it, right? Christian Brown was a great, Akshay Ajbaji was a great, um, McCormick was really good for this team. Like, this is the Kansas team that I still believe in, um, and I, like, you know, I mentioned that they're a team that I could think can win the national title, and if you're a UK fan, you love seeing Kansas run Baylor out of the gym, because that solidifies that win you guys had there even better, so... um, 
Bill Self doesn't lose at home very often, and when he does, he pretty much writes his wrong the next week. So I was pretty impressed with Kansas yesterday. Um, Baylor, I, I don't know what I feel about Baylor, right? Like last year, that team yeah. was phenomenal, right? And this year, they got up to number one in the polls and kind of struggled since, right? They lose to, at home to Texas A&M. They lose at home to Oklahoma State. Then they lose at Kansas, right? So a team that – a run that they went on last year just really isn't there this year. Um, Akinjo is really good. Mitch, um, Matthew Meyer is really good as well. But I just don't know if they have the horses like they did last year. And that's not a downplay because they're really good still. But I think they're a Sweet 16, Elite 8 fringe team. But I, I, I don't know if they're top 10 in the country good. And that just might be me being ignorant. But that's kind of how I feel right now after watching them a couple times. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you, man. Um, I just kind of feel like it feels like it's still such a big open year. You're starting to see like the six or seven best teams, mm-hmm. especially like he says, we're getting closer and closer to selection Sunday. Uh, but there's still so many teams that offer just like a pack of the punch. They're just kind of like really impressive and really exciting. Um, and I think that that's definitely one of those teams to talk about for that. So let's kind of move real quick to let's try to see if one of the other games that popped up that I wanted to touch on. My phone is acting up everywhere. So Villanova, UConn. Yeah, whatever. Villanova, really good. Um, and then Purdue gets another win. Yeah, Jaden Ivey's phenomenal. Michigan is another disappointment team for me. They are. They just couldn't get it going. They're probably not going to make the tournament unless they make a run here um, in the year. But it, it started last week. We didn't touch on this because we didn't record last week. But the Michigan-Michigan State game in Michigan State, right, that's a perfect spot for Michigan to come in and get a win or, you know, ride that high streak that they were on. And they just laid an egg. And, it, yeah. you know, when it, fool me seven times, it's my own fault, right? And I think I'm just <laughs> kind of there with Michigan where it's like, hey, this team just doesn't have it. The guards that they brought in from the transfer portal, you know, mid-major guards that you come out to play a high level with the Big Ten. Sometimes you have them, sometimes you don't. I think Dickinson's phenomenal. I think Caleb Houston struggled, but I think he's going to be a good long-term. But mm. when you don't have very good guards, it's hard to win. And I think Dickinson's kind of kicking himself after, you know, maybe potentially could have had the NBA potential last year and then came back on a, on a bad team. So, Yeah, I, I I see that for sure. All right, I'll give you the choice here. Do you want to talk Vanderbilt upset? Or do you want to talk Duke Carolina? Let's talk Duke Carolina. I'll go about we'll go five, ten minutes on that. So, right, the biggest thing for Carolina, they were 0 and six. Yeah, move the mic. Let me just have my moment, right? Like Carolina was 0 and six in quad one games, um, going into the Duke game, right? So think about the Kentucky game where they were down 28 points. Think about the Purdue game where they lost by nine, but it was 14, 16 points. Think about the Tennessee game where they lost by 18. Think about the Miami game at Miami where they get beat by 20, right? The reoccurring theme is that when this team gets down and it's early, they quit and they fold. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's toughness or mental, something with the guards that they just, hey, like we've lost, like let's just try to get mine and get my tape up for the draft, right? And that's certainly where college basketball is at some points, but the team unity is something's off. So last night, the perfect perfect spot for Carolina. Had to get a quad one win to really solidify like, hey, we're not on the bubble. It's a game for Duke and Carolina. The winner is in first place of the ACC. Like, not just a that's wild. Yeah, not just a top seed Duke in the ACC against fifth place Carolina. Like, no, this is for the number one seed in the ACC with a lot of games to go. But Coach K's last game in Chapel Hill, right? Um, I don't know if you knew Coach K's retiring. What? Yeah, right. God, if I see that commercial on ESPN one more time, forty years described by one letter, just kill me. But anyway. So game starts, and that was like a true moment when, like, I knew Duke was the better team. I knew Duke more talented at every position, and I'm like, there's not one player that would start for Carolina or start 
start for Duke that's on Carolina's roster. Maybe Armando Baycott, but Mark Williams is just as good, and I think the fit's better with Palo. So the game starts, and like it's like Mark Titus said this on his podcast, and it's like when in elementary school when you had to guard with the person you were – like what wristband you had on like if you had a red wristband mm-hmm. you had to guard the guy with the red wristband it's like when they lined up and the game started i was like holy shit we are so like we, we don't have a guy that can hold them like caleb love and rj davis over wendell moore aj griffin like nope um mark williams armando baycott sure palo against leaky black like get the fuck out of here like they, i mean it was just so the game tipped and immediately like arm Hubert Davis puts Armando Baycott on Palo Benchera, right? So Leaky Davis, Leaky Black is the guy that is a great defender, and by statistics and all this year, he's guarded the best player and kind of held them in check. So we put Baycott on Benchero and immediately picks up two fouls four minutes into the game. So our best offensive player out of the game immediately. Just questionable coaching decisions. Duke just punches in the mouth. Banchero was great. AJ Griffin just I and I we texted about this a few weeks back. I said I'm ready to have the conversation about Griffin being the best prospect long term on this team. I think his game it translates so well. He's so smooth. It looks like he's moving in slow motion with the ball when he has it. Just gets to his spots. Can elevate. Finish over defenders. Um, he's fantastic. But the the effort the, the biggest thing for me is I don't mind a loss like right like it's a rivalry game you would love sure. to get you but getting ran out of the gym for the eighth time is kind of just like at the point where I'm at now where it's like, Hey man, like this team just sucks. And like, it is what it is. Like I'm going to root for him. I'm going to watch him. But like I have zero and I mean zero expectations moving forward. Like I'm so tired of watching Caleb love drive in the middle of the lane and panic and throw the ball into the fourth row in the sand and nothing happens for it. Right. Like if you don't develop a bench like Hubert Davis has done this year, there's no accountability that's on the court. You can call a timeout. You can get the guys in the huddle and you can say, okay, like, hey, we need to stop doing this and we need to start doing this. But if they're not executing on the court and you're not pulling them out of the game and putting somebody in who will do that, then what you're saying is just going in one ear and going out the other, right? Like, it's pretty yeah. simple, like, steps that what you do. And my frustrations, and as long as many Carolina fans are there, um, you know, the people who are saying fire Hubert Davis is are irrational, right? Like, you fire Hubert Davis after year one, that's a black mark on the program. And, like, yeah, it's not good, good luck. luck good luck getting anybody that'll come in there. Cause right. I just think it boils down to like the elite talent that Duke has and any other blue bloods have look at Kentucky, look at Gonzaga, look at, you know, Michigan, Carolina just hasn't got those guys. And you can say what you want. If you're a fan of college basketball about, Oh, these kids are getting paid and yada, yada cheating and all that shit. Carolina's doing it. Every school's doing it. We're just missing on who we're, who we're going after in recruiting. Right. Like, I, I don't know if the elite talent just, it hasn't came to Carolina in the last couple of years and it's just, it's tough. I'm very frustrated. Um, you know, looking, w- looking back. So the 2020 year, Cole Anthony comes, they bring Christian Keeling and Brandon uh, and Justin Pearson. Keeling came from Georgia Southern. Justin Pierce came from William and Mary, two guys that are not ACC level basketball players. No disrespect to them. Just it wasn't a good fit. Cole Anthony gets hurt, comes back after a knee injury plays. Doesn't have to, right? Like comes back and plays because he wants to play for the university plays his heart out, gets drafted. The year after that, like Garrison Brooks, love him. Not an ace, like not a North Carolina, like, I don't know, Brandon Robinson. I could go on and on, right? And I'm not trying to diminish these kids, but there's just been misses on the on the staff and who they've, you know, prioritized in recruiting haven't turned out on the court. And I think Caleb Love is fine. I think RJ Davis is solid, but I just think this team just doesn't have it. They don't have a fight. They don't have team unity. They just, they, they're all selfish. And that's unfortunately where we're at, but Thank God for Brady Manick because he was the only bright spot for Carolina in this game. Um, 
you know, played his, played his ass off. It was like 6'11 for three, played pretty much 30 minutes. But my frustration with this team is that they don't play, to, play as a team and they're seven deep. Dawson Garcia dealing with the death in his family. He's not coming back to Carolina. All the signs are, you know, he's been back for back in Minnesota over two and a half weeks. So all signs seem to seem like him kind of just sitting out the rest of the year, then getting a medical red shirt, playing elsewhere. Um, Anthony Harris ineligible after the first semester. Like that's not a good look for your first year head coach that you get a kid that's ineligible halfway through the first year. Right. And it's not on the coach to go to class, but you should have people in place to make sure your guys are going to class and taking care of business. Right. So my last thing on Carolina, then we'll kind of switch to Duke here, but I just, I'm very frustrated. You know, we're kind of at that point now where we texted and I was like, Hey man, like this team just is what it is. I still think they get in the tournament. I think long-term for them to make the tournament, they had to just take care of business, win against Virginia Tech, win against Florida State, win against Louisville. You know, the game at Cameron Indoor, the last game of the year is going to be a bloodbath. Like there's a 0% chance they win that game. Um, So just go in and make Duke your only loss. Win a game in the ACC tournament. Get a ten seed. Get blown out by a seven seed. I don't give a shit. And let's just go on to next year. It's kind of where I'm at. So nice. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll switch gears to Duke here. As much as this is going to pain me to talk about them, but I think this team up there with Kentucky, up there with Gonzaga, up there with Houston, up there with, with all these teams that can win a national championship. That kind of remind me of the 2019 Duke team with Zion, RJ, and Cam. Um, although they're not as dominant and as flashy as that team was. But I think Palo is phenomenal. Mark Williams is an underrated guy. His offensive rebounding, his finishing through contact. Um, and AJ Griffin, I could talk to the world about that kid. I think he is so good, and I think he's going to be so good for a long time. So kind of want to give you a few minutes. I just rambled there for a few minutes. You can start with UNC, what you think, and then kind of get to uh, get to Duke here. I just think it's a transition year. You know, yeah. it happens. Um, I know yeah. that they, I know Roy's last two years, they weren't the best team. But it is like, you know, putting new even though hubert davis was on was on staff it's still him putting his own mark on the franchise on the organization franchise mm-hmm. well too much nba right. um but yeah i think they'll be fine i think they'll be okay um i think it's just gonna take a year too it's just yep. you know for north carolina they'll land on their feet um on the duke end i'm with you i just think they're so talented they're so deep you know we say this they'll probably lose to virginia tomorrow um because that's always how it goes when we talk highly of a team but you know, you mentioned this dead Zion, how they kind of compare you to that Zion Cam RJ team. This team's deeper than that because that team was just like those three, and that was it. Um, you know, you look at guys like uh, you, Theo John coming off the bench for them, playing decent minutes, which is weird. Trevor Keels, Wendell Moore, Jamie Roach, uh, Mark Williams, like you mentioned. Uh, basically, everyone that plays is getting is con- is contributing to this team. So it just kind of really shows you like this depth level there. I don't, I mean, I guess if you had to give me like six teams, I think could win the title, I would have them on the list, but they would probably be six for me if I'm being honest. Yeah. I think their outside shooting is something that will cost them in the tournament, right? Like I did too. other than Keels was hot early in the year. Joey Baker's not really a guy that they're going to put in and shoot. Palo's really kind of a guy that, when he has a smaller guy, he just takes him down low. When he has a bigger guy, he kind of floats around the perimeter. But they don't really have a guy that can consistently knock down his shots, and that's kind of their biggest red mark. But nine times out of ten, they're going to have the best player on the court. Right. And sometimes that works. So it's kind of where I'm yeah. at with them. But I staying in the ACC real quick, um, your Irish have been just on fire, right? They've kind of solidified themselves as a top-four team in the ACC. Um, I think they get in the tournament. I Once again, the ACC is really bad. Teams suck. But there are 68 teams that make the tournament, man. Like, they're not going to be 17 teams in the Mountain West and six teams from the WCC. They're going to put ACC schools in because that means money, and that's just the way the tournament goes. 
Yeah, I, I like this team. Um, you know, we've talked about Blake Wesley a lot this year. Dane Goodwin's been really good for them. He's mm-hmm. been their leading scorer. Uh, Paul Atkinson is a senior. Has played really well. Um, Prentice Hub is picking it up of late. Uh, but yeah, they got Louisville on Wednesday at home. So mm-hmm. I suspect they'll win that game just because I don't know if you know Louisville's kind of in a little bit of a rough stretch. Yeah. Um, We're at that really, point now where they've lost three in a row now after the interim coach has taken over and players are starting to realize where they're going to be playing next year. So they're giving yeah. up. Really, like the rest of the year, they've got, um, you know, regular season wise, they got at Wake Forest. That'll be a tough game. Mm-hmm. And they got at Florida State. But really, I mean, everything else is pretty winnable. Clemson, Boston College, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Pitt. Yeah, take um, care of business, like, right? And just, yeah. You'll probably, you're not going to go undefeated. Right. But you win majority of those, like, You'll perfect. Sneak in. Yep. So that's where I'm at. Um, you know, we kind of touched on this, this previous weekend, and then we can kind of touch on what games are coming up this week. Um, I know we'll probably record sometime early next week and recap kind of what happens here. But I've got it pulled up here. Big Monday tomorrow night um, starts with Virginia, kind of a fringe bubble team. Need a lot to go right for them to get in the tournament. Um, they are heading to Cameron to take on Duke. I don't see a world where Virginia nope. can even hang with them. Um, maybe they slow it down and make it ugly, but – Virginia has been pretty bad defensively this year, and I don't think they have a guy that can score. So, Virginia plays Duke um, tomorrow night. Also, you get Kansas at Texas. Spread is it twelve? Yeah, yeah, man. I that'd be I'd be it could be a massive letdown spot after beating Carolina, right? You kind of get hyped. Yeah, that that could be a hangover, but a win, but like an eight point win that you know you never really in doubt, but. Um, then tomorrow at nine, you get Kansas going to Texas, a big game for Chris Beard and the Longhorns, um, can really get over a hump after, after their best win to probably Tennessee at home, but, um, big game for them. I think that'll be a good spot. I, I'm not sure exactly where I lean yet, but I'll probably lean under because Chris Beard's team is just beat the shit out of you defensively and they cannot score. So, um, be very excited to see Kansas respond after a big win. Baylor, another letdown spot after beating Baylor, they could kind of lay an egg here, but um, that's kind of it for Monday, the good games. We'll kind of just get to Tuesday and maybe touch on Saturday games. But Tuesday night you have Marquette and UConn at 630. That'll be a good game for Big East. That'll be a really good game. Um, Marquette has not played. I just looked at this. So the last time they played was on the second. They played Villanova. Mm-hmm. So that's weird that they didn't have a weekend game. They didn't have like a. I think every conference team has that. I think they play one, like they'll play like one or two games during the week and then not have a weekend game and then pick up the next week. But maybe it's because of COVID rescheduling because Carolina had a three game in one week thing. And I know um, UC has that in a couple weeks, right? They play Monday, they play Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. So you could see that for Marquette. But Tuesday night, you get Marquette, UConn, um, LSU at AM, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Auburn at Arkansas, Iowa State, West Virginia. Um, Villanova, St. John's, Illinois at Purdue, which will be a great game because I think Illinois ranked 18th is crazy. I think one of their they're one of the eight to ten teams that go in the national title. Um, Again, really- how did UC beat that team? How did the Bearcats somehow? I understand it was on a neutral site, but how the hell did Cincinnati beat Illinois? I, 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 I with by Kofi. twenty, mm-hmm. by twenty with Kofi. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Wednesday, kind of a lighter slate. Um, Louisville, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Rutgers, Houston, SMU, Xavier mm, Seton Hall, Xavier Seton Hall, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, Xavier Seton Hall. I'm oh, sorry, I'll skip right over that. And then let's go to Friday or Saturday. Sorry, Saturday is the big days. Um, 
Texas Baylor at noon. Be fun. Villanova, Seton Hall, Oklahoma, Kansas, um, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. A lot of good games. Kentucky, Florida, Duke, Boston College. I don't know why. Memphis, Houston. Memphis, Houston, Ohio State, Michigan. That was a joke. Memphis, Houston. But North Carolina, Florida State. A lot of good games. We're at that point now where we're you're kind of figuring out who's good, who's not, who's slid by their tur- tournament record. Um, but a lot of good games this week. Sunday's the big day, not college basketball. I know it's college basketball podcast, but there's one thing on my mind this week, and it's the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll break the curse and win. Hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Joey B, lead the Bengals to the Super Bowl. That's where I'm at. I, uh, I've i already said if they do win, I will be downtown. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm watching the game downtown. Don't know where at yet. Um, if you have any suggestions, please slide into the DMs. Let me know where to watch a game. But yeah, I've too. also decided my company, we are work from home through the end of February. If they win, I'm going in the office the day that the, the parade is. And I, I'm heading downtown exactly to uh, in, enjoy with the parade. But we'll close it out here with this, our All-American of the Week. Um, you know, it could be a game from last week. could be a game from this week. Kind of want to see where you're at. Mine's easy. It came from Saturday. It's not somebody on North Carolina's team. It is the opposite. It is A.J. Griffin um, from Duke. I think he was phenomenal. 23 points. Just absolutely just beat the shit out of Carolina. Abused Brady Manick on the defensive end. Um, he was fantastic. I, I love where he's at. Um, Stuke team, very good moving forward. Carolina in shambles. But A.J. Griffin's my All-American of the week. What about you? For the last I'm going to go with the guy we saw tonight. I'm going Fabian White Jr. He was unbelievable tonight. Mm-hmm. He was so good. Best player on um, the court by a wide margin. Yeah, it wasn't close. He was he was incredible. <laughs> so yeah, I'll go with that. Um, I think uh, that you know he's the best player on a Houston team that's really good. Mm-hmm. So hard to kind of skip, skip over him from the what he played mm-hmm. tonight. But I'm excited for this week. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So. Everyone, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the week. Like we said, we got the Super Bowl coming up and we got trade deadline week in basketball. So lots of NBA news to talk about there. Carol's version of the Cavs. Love that trade. Love it. Yeah, I did I especially for what they gave up, right? Rick Ruby on some first round picks. Like Yeah, Rick we'll Ruby is hurt for the year, so it's just an expiring contract. So Right. We'll worry about that in the future. Yep. But like Tim said, big week college basketball. Um myself, Isaiah Jackson, Alex Toby giving you um daily betting. I would say advice, picks, kind of fade us, right? As sometimes we're hot, sometimes we're cold. It's all about having fun, kind of giving out our picks there. Um, as we get closer to the tournament, we can start breaking down some bubble teams, you know, once bracketology gets out. But very excited. Hopefully have have some have something for you guys for the NCAA tournament show. Um, as always, Selection Sunday, we'll crank some stuff out for you guys. But we're very excited. Enjoy the week of hoops. If you're a Kentucky fan, Duke fan, you're living large. If you're a Carolina and Xavier fan, it'll get better. I promise. It will. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. (laughs) Bengals might win the Super Bowl, though. That's all that matters. So, See you guys. See you.